0: You okay, Rowan?
1: Yeah, I'm fine.
0: All right. Welcome back, class. This is Graphic Literature and History, part of the Miskatonic University Remote Education Program, otherwise commonly known as the Comics Course. And I am Professor Hamby. This is my TA Rowan. Say hello, Rowan. Hello. Hopefully, she'll survive the entire class session, since she apparently is coughing up her lungs.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: So... My throat's a little rough today, too, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, Unfortunately, it's a little too early in the morning for me to be drinking whiskey to loosen my throat up. So you will just have to suffer through it along with me. Today, um, we're going to skip all the preamble stuff. My faculty uh, department head, Dr. Feckett, has some news he wants me to share uh, so I'll skim through that real quick, and then we're going to jump right into a follow-up from last week's session, which is about Isekai manga, or manga where characters are transported or reincarnated into a new world. Uh, Dr. Feket wants me to let people know, one, that if anybody is interested in putting together a Welcome Back Thomas gift, donations are being taken by the uh, literature department you can drop by his office drop off you know a gift a a check cash whatever you want Um, also he said for all of our stem students that we want to remind you that just because you can doesn't mean you should and i'm not sure what this is in relation to but the note beneath it says particle accelerators are really expensive. Um, I'm assuming this has something to do with the blackout and implosion at the science building over the weekend. Um, but I'm not in the loop on this. So, okay. We are going to get back to something safer, which is talking about comics. Now, I said that last week we're going to kind of lay the groundwork of what a standard isekai manga is, and this week we're going to talk about things that maybe push that boundary a little bit. So what I'm going to start off with is talking about one called *Reincarnated as a Sword*. But before we get into that, we're going to get into something that Rowan asked me about before it started. Um, she was she w- w- well tell the class what you asked me, Rowan.
1: I asked you how you would rate all of these. Like, what did you think of all of them? Right on a scale of one to ten.
0: And it occurs to me that while we've talked about theme and motif and and their role in society, we haven't talked about the quality of these much. Now, quality is to some degree subjective, and I say to some degree because people talk about quality incorrectly a lot. The truth is, quality is actually objective. You can say whether or not something is good or is bad what you can't say is whether or not people should enjoy it that is subjective and these are two totally separate things so for example there is there are many works of literature that are only so-so but i really enjoy them Mm -hmm. and that's fine there are works of literature that are objectively great and i can't stand them So these are different things, and your level of enjoyment will be based on a number of factors, including your personal predilections, your experience, what your goal is in enjoying things. And this is true for everything, movies, music, all that kind of stuff. So after talking about this with Rowan, we decided on a scale where we are going to talk about the quality. We'll talk about the quality of the art, the quality of the story, and the originality concept, and then give it an overall rating along with comments about personal bias. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to talk about the scale a little bit, Rowan?
1: Uh, we're doing uh, one out of eight tentacles and then two extra brains if you get really good. We're doing mm-hmm. art, story, originality slash concept, and personal bias and miscellaneous.
0: Right. So we're going to start with reincarnated as a sword. So generally the scale is going to be roughly one to eight with I think an average around 4 or 5 but 9 and 10 are possible for truly exceptional works. I don't think we're going to end up with too many at that level though. Mm-hmm. Um and when we get to the point where a work is a 9 or a 10, my opinion will be that even if it's not a work you like, it's something you should read. And there are things like that in the world. For example, I'm not a big opera fan. But I have gone out of my way to listen to some of the great operas, the, the legendary operas, and have discovered that they're just so good that I really enjoyed them, even though I don't tend to like opera. And if we are gonna, if we end up rating a comic uh, 9 or 10, that's basically the, what we're say, saying. Even if it's the kind of work that you don't enjoy, you should go out of your way to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with Reincarnated as a Sword. Story by Yu This was originally a light novel series. Uh, you said that you read some of the light novels, right?
1: Yeah, I only got a few pages in and then uh, other stuff like animes were coming out and it distracted me. I enjoyed it, but as I was reading it, my, the thought was co- constantly in the back of my head of this would be a much better manga than it is a light novel.
0: Well, I would say it's a good manga. Um, uh, now, you're an art major, so were the multi-syllable words difficult? No. Okay. Um, so the story is by Yu Tanaka. Uh, I think the dialogue is taken pretty much straight from the light novel. The art is by Tomo Mariyama. Character designs by LOL. L-L-O is how it's being presented in Ramanji. Um, th- there is this... I-, I suspect that's a firm. I think a lot when they do these light novels to mangas, oftentimes they hire essentially these firm, these companies to come in and do the character concept work and the mm. initial sort of visual diaries of them, mm. um, so I I often see these mono names for character designs when we see light novels converted to mangas, and I think they're companies.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh,
0: so this one is at a decent few tankobon at this point. I've read the first oh half dozen reincarnated as a sword tankaban i believe it's still being published uh as usual it is several volumes ahead in japanese than it is in english which is the norm and just to discuss the plot a little bit of reincarnated as a sword it is obviously a reincarnation uh isekai not a transport one and it's different shtick initially to grab people amongst the vast horde of isekai manga out there is that instead of being reincarnated as a person with agency they're reincarnated as a sword now they have a little more agency than you may initially think because it turns out the sword is capable of self-emotion through telekinesis and things like that but when the story opens they've screwed up they have landed somewhere to rest that drains their magical energy So they've been stuck in the ground until somebody pulls them out. Mm -hmm. And then allows them to start regenerating their energy again. Mm -hmm. And they are pulled out by a nameless slave. Uh, This young girl, a young cat girl. If you read enough isekai manga, you know, 10, 12-year-old cat girls, there's a sea of them. This, This is a very common motif. And it's not uncommon for them to be slaves. So again, this is a common motif. So the initial setup of Reincarnated as a Sword is all the motifs except the main character being an animate object, although stuck in an inanimate position. So the slaver's wagon that she's on has a disaster. She can't fight back because she has this magical collar that enslaves her. Again, a common motif in these works. Mm -hmm. And she is able to save herself by pulling the sword out of the ground. And the sword has the ability to share skills and knowledge with her, as well as its own innate magical abilities. So she's able to fight off the monsters that destroyed the slaver's wagon, and then the sword is able to remove her collar.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So, and everybody ends up dead. Um, The main character... Here's an interesting debate point, of course. Mm -hmm. Who is the protagonist? Who is the main character? Is it the sword or is it the girl?
1: I think they're co-protagonists.
0: I would agree with that. Now, as the story opens, I think you would very much argue that the main character is the sword. Mm -hmm. And the sword doesn't have a name. Um, Now, this is a little different. Sometimes, A a character without a name is not an uncommon uh, uh, motif. But usually the characters without name that have to get them are given them by the protagonist. That is part of the wish fulfillment, that the protagonist has power over the world. But as the story is unfolding, and while the, the sole protagonist really is still the sword, clearly, the slave girl uh, is the one who names the sword and names it Teacher.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it has a very limited memory of its previous life. Remember, that's one of the qualities of Isekai, that they maintain knowledge of the quote-unquote real world they come from uh, and maintain that information. So she names the sword teacher. And again, we have that motif. I mentioned that he can share skills. Again, remember that motif I mentioned last time about the Japanese computer RPG Elements often being in world well that happens here. So when she first picks up the sword, uh, it says no name has been registered as a user. No name has acquired skills through skill sharing. Fire mage acquired. Master chef acquired. Disassembly master acquired, and so on. Mm-hmm. And these are presented in this sort of computer esque font, uh, even though it's being communicated verbally. Mm-hmm. So she grants the sword name of teacher. And she herself doesn't have a name. She says, they took my name when they enslaved me. And she makes an effort to remember, and she names herself Fran. So here it looks like she's going to be the protagonist. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, as we move on, the point of view character is the sword, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which you normally think of as the protagonist. But here, the girl has named both the protagonist and herself. Normally a role reserved exclusively for a protagonist. Mm -hmm. And as the story goes on, she often makes the decisions. Now she's rarely separated from teacher and rarely is the sole point of view, but she often is the character that's making the decisions that moves things along. Mm -hmm. So this very much is two protagonists, but their role is so symbiotic that they're almost one character much of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a for a story that started off as a what I thought would be analogous to reincarnated as a slime, and in fact, uh, when I heard when I was sort of paying attention to the flood of isekai that came out a few years ago, and a lot of people got burned out on, I often heard reincarnated as a sword and reincarnated as a slime, kind of mentioned very near each other as you know the exemplars of the isekai genre now i was very disappointed with reincarnated as a slime i thought it was uh uh, the wish fulfillment was very boring um Mm -hmm. and wish fulfillment is core to isekai so doing making the wish fulfillment interesting and tenseful is important now in contrast here the girl wants to quote unquote level up she wants to become more powerful she never wants to be a slave again she wants to be able to protect others people uh, and demi-humans are often persecuted. That's another theme you find in these fantasy worlds, that demi-humans are often persecuted. Mm-hmm. We could do a whole session on how that parallels racial issues in Japan, but we're going to skim over that for right now. Um, but a lot of other tropes are flipped up in this. Uh, you know, for example, it's very common to have, trope. you know, tropes where... And we're going to talk about manga in a little bit, Well, where the male characters' wish fulfillment is in large part of a sexual nature, with the female characters in the story. And these are generally male protagonists. And then we have the sort of more innocent versions of the isekai, where, you know, maybe girls are scantily clad, and maybe they're interested in him, there's flirting. You know, the guy has these nosebleeds because he doesn't take advantage of it. Um, but they kind of dance around the subject and kind of give some fan service to it, but it doesn't go too far because it's oriented towards younger manga readers. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's very clear the character is highly interested. Now here there is, I'm not going to say there's no fan service in reincarnated as a sword. There's a little bit, but not much. And it's never of Fran. It's never of the young girl. There are some older females that show up. And in fact, the sword takes an almost paternal role to her. In fact, when she goes to buy clothing, including underwear, he objects to the scantily clad elements. He objects to the sexy elements. He he He's concerned about protecting her as a child. So this is an interesting form of wish fulfillment because... While we, what we do know about him from his previous life is that he was kind of an otaku, a loner, he didn't have a girlfriend or anything, he died alone. But instead of a harem, and now in Slime, we also had an asexual character, but he clearly enjoyed the presence of women very strongly on some sort of ego level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Here with Sword, he says. I admit, you know, I kind of, you know, when the naked women show up and they ignore me because I'm just a sword laying in the corner, you know, there's some kind of psychological thrill I get to watching them, but I don't have any sexual response because I'm a sword. And it happens very rarely. And so the author is explicitly rejecting a sexualization of the sword's existence And the story, in a lot of ways, is pretty subversive of the genre in that regard. Mm -hmm. Now, it embraces the computer RPG elements. Um, It has ostensibly kind of a male character, although he's largely sexless. The wish fulfillment is really what fascinates me, though. Because what is his wish fulfillment? Does he want to become more powerful? Yes. But his wish seems to be not to save the world not just to become more powerful, not just to help protect this little girl, Uh, those are all things that actually you see pop up in Isekai a number of times. But his goal is also to be a parental figure, Mm -hmm. to be almost like a parent and protect and teach. Now, we're going to talk about another manga in a little bit that shares some of these elements. Um, But it's kind of... But the other one I'm going to talk about, Rise of the Shield Hero, there's a little bit of, um, eh, you wonder what's going to happen in the future. That's taken away here, because it's a sword. The possibility of her relationship with the sword changing to something of a personal, intimate nature is not going to happen, because he's a sword. Mm-hmm. Um so so what are your thoughts from reading the light novel? Would you want to go read the manga at this point?
1: Yeah, it it definitely seems to be embracing the parts of isekai I actually enjoy of them, which is the kind of more RPG fantasy world elements. Mm-hmm. I always find when like the not a harem harem shows up, I t- that tends to be when I stop enjoying it cuz I'm here I'm here for a fantasy world, not for wish fulfillment.
0: Well, although with Isekai, wish fulfillment is core to it. Mm -hmm. Well, that that kind of wish fulfillment. Okay, so you don't like the harem aspect of Mm -hmm. wish fulfillment.
1: Because it's boring.
0: Well, I think that depends on how it's written. And I think that's the challenge. Um, Okay, so we said we were going to rate these. Do you want to wait to the end to rate all of them or rate them as we go?
1: Let's rate them as we go.
0: Okay, so let's start with art. What do you think of the art of reincarnated as a sword
1: i really like it. i really like how much detail is in the sword and the monsters and stuff
0: now the style is what i kind of call generic manga generic mm-hmm. fantasy manga mm-hmm. it's going to be instantly recognizable to anybody who sees it i think that's intentional mm-hmm. i do think it's well done mm-hmm. but it's not exceptional
1: yeah it's not really original but it's well done
0: i would give it seven tentacles yeah It's a very good example of a sort of stock style of the craft. Mm -hmm. But it's not exceptional. Mm -hmm. The story, I'm going to go ahead and say the story is an 8.
1: I would agree with that.
0: If if you're not a fan of isekai, I think you can just pass over it. There's not a reason to necessarily Mm -hmm. read it. If you do want to read good isekai, I do recommend it um but it's not an absolute must read it's just a very good example of its genre mm. and as far as originality and concept what do you give that
1: i would give it maybe a six it's not super original because the reincarnated series kind of as more and more sword coming out become more common but i like the idea of it being a sword and not just like a monster
0: and that changes things a lot, mm-hmm. actually.
1: And the important part is he never stops being a sword. That's the thing that right. really annoyed me in Slime.
0: Right. So you said seven. I'm kind of feeling a six.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We can go with a seven. Yeah. Um, personal bias, miscellaneous. I kind of like Isekai, so I maybe have a slight personal bias here. Um, I but know. I don't think I have a strong one.
1: I have a pretty strong bias towards traditional fantasy worlds. I blame The Hobbit.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. So what are we feeling all in all? Seven?
1: Yeah, I would say a seven overall.
0: Yeah, okay. So a good a, a good manga and a good isekai. <laughs> so the there are a number of parallels to slime, but the next one I'm going to talk about uh, takes one element of both of those and kind of turns it up to 11. And this one has some pretty cringy aspects, in my opinion. How not to summon a demon lord. Now, I actually left off the list of discussion today one that I think is actually much better written than this. um, But it has a much higher degree of adult content. Mm. Uh, There is a new series being published called Call Girl from Another World. And that's a pretty cringy title, I know. Um, and it is very explicitly adult and sexual in nature. Uh, it does not pull any punches about it. It is not for younger readers. But it is well written with a female protagonist, a female isekai protagonist, whose role is sexual. But this, this is the interesting part about it. She has full agency. She's not being manipulated and controlled and abused by the powers in the world. She's setting the rules and in control.
1: That's a nice change. And that's a
0: very rare thing. Mm-hmm. Um now it is so adult that I chose not to feature it for the class today. Um but it is an interesting point of contrast to something like how not to summon a demon lord. Now, I believe this was originally a light novel series also story by Yukaya Murasaki, artist by Naoto Fukada, character designs by Takehiro uh, Surusukai. The first Tankoban features a well-endowed elf with a slave collar and long chain, kind of staring with doe eyes up at the person picking up the book. Um,
1: the red flags are bursting out.
0: Yeah, and they should. I mean, they should be bursting out. Excuse me. Uh, I think there's seven or eight tankobons in English of this so far. The story is still ongoing. The basic premise is pretty simple. These two girls, one a cat girl, younger looking cat girl, and the well-endowed elf girl, uh, both show up at this ritual tower to summon a creature to help them, and they end up summoning the Demon Lord Diablo from another world. However, while they were intending to enslave him, because he carries a ring of magic reflection, it bounces the spell back and they're enslaved to him.
1: Oh, God.
0: And nobody can take it off. He does start to figure out later how to take them off in scenes that become... Not pretty cringy, they're just cringy. I read them and I was kind of like, oh God, how quickly can I skip past through this? Um, now, the shtick that, there, there's a couple of shticks here that distinguish this a little bit. One is taken to, one is a very common motif that they kind of take to an extreme, which is he was a complete shut-in who played this game called Cross Revere. And he obsessively played it. He was max level. He role-played a Demon Lord. He killed people freely who bothered him in-game, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was a complete badass. And Cross Revere sounds like some sort of World of Warcraft style game Mm -hmm. or EverQuest, if you're old enough to remember that. And then he gets pulled into this world as his character, Diablo, instead of himself. Mm -hmm. And it appears to actually be the world of Cross Revere. Now, it turns out he was a power gamer and didn't pay much attention to the story. So sometimes character names pop up, and he's like, Huh? I think I remember that name, but I never really read the quest text. (laughs) Oh, Uh, those people. Yeah. Um, and, And there's elements in this world that didn't exist in the game. And it appears to be a sort of idolized developer version of the game so there are things that were taken out of the game presumably because of sexual content or racism or things that would be uh considered too edgy and objectionable but they exist in this world and also the characters don't act like player characters so he discovers that for example uh summoning magic is the most common form of magic because it's safer to use you can hide away from the monsters also you know People die instead of respawning, so they don't go out and seek adventure, so they tend to be much lower level. Mm -hmm. So people think elemental magic is lame, and when they see him do it, they're blown away by it. Mm -hmm. But he's such a shut-in, he's such a neat, that he can't talk to girls. He can't even talk to people. So the only way he knows to communicate is to take on this persona of the badass Diablo and talk like... A kind of lame comic book villain. And I'll give them a couple of points for creativity. It's, an, it's a different take on things. But it gets old real fast. And it creates a barrier f- between him developing relationships with other characters that would be more interesting than the same lame joke repeated over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And despite this, he does start to develop some relationships with people. But it is difficult because there are Fallen in this world. And he's kind of, uh, uh, looks like he'd be related to the Fallen. The Demon Lords are evil. He claims to be a Demon Lord. Um, And then, of course, there is the sexualization aspect, which goes from fan service, cute girls, and the occasional inappropriate contact to scenes of a highly sexual content. Now, this series is uh, aimed towards older teens, and it even says on it, For Older Teens on the back cover, which is kind of like slapping a big sticker on it that says, if you're a young teen, uh, see if they'll let you get away with reading this.
1: See if you look old enough to be an older teen.
0: Or, Or if the people at the bookstore even care, or... You know, there aren't filters on your Amazon purchase ability, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And while they aren't explicit in the sense of showing, for example, uh, actual physical penetration or anything, um, there is direct physical sexual contact. Mm. And it's ostensibly to help him learn magic and learn how to get their collars off. But it comes across as what it is, which is a cheap excuse to add sexual content. That doesn't really help move along the story.
1: The cringe and sliminess I can feel in my soul.
0: Yeah. Now, one way in that it does do something that I kind of like. I kind of like things that are gonzo and where they grab something and just go with it. And so he, here we have something that isn't just a fantasy world with Japanese computer RPG elements. He's actually in a Japanese computer RPG world, essentially.
1: Which does sound cool.
0: Although, an interesting difference is, unlike these non-RPG worlds where there seem to be RPG elements, like stats that they can view and, you know, uh, computer voices that tell them about things that are happening... None of that happens here. Magic just works or doesn't work. It's it, just it's, a
1: straight world designed off of a video game.
0: Right. So, at the same time, it embraces the computer RPG element strongly. And you'll see aspects of that in here where you're like, Oh, yeah, they do that in com- in, in, RP- in computer RPGs. Um, but then it takes away a layer of it that's often used in Isekai manga. Mm-hmm. Uh And, you know, the character designs are fun. If you like a bit of fan service in your comics, which many of us do, um, they're kind of fun. But the, and I don't have an objection to sexual content in manga for older readers, but it is very cringy here. It does not feel organic. It doesn't feel healthy. It feels like cheap teenage wish fulfillment. Um, and I, I did not care for it at all. So this shows, you know, a very much a flip side from reincarnated as a sword. And he is directly reincarnated as a badass. He has incredible magical power that just dominates the environment. He has unhealthy relationships with girls. As soon as he enters the world, two cute girls are enslaved to him. And while he chooses not to use that ability, he can—he has the ability to control their actions and decide what they do. And he's put in these explicitly sexual situations with them. The wish fulfillment is really strong. And while he does come to face some things that are actual threats, they don't feel very threatening, to be honest.
1: I hate the slave girl trope so much.
0: It's something that can be done well. It's not here. And it is usually not done well.
1: I would really appreciate if writers just stopped trying.
0: Yeah. So let's give it a quick rating and then move on to something that handles some of these a little better, I think, which is Rise of the Shield Hero. Mm -hmm. First, let's talk about the art. Again, this art style is very much in the vein of the art style of Reincarnated as a Sword But there's less detail, the movement is less kinetic, it feels like frozen in time panels to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of them don't even have any shading. Uh, I'm looking at one panel right now where the sky has been given this texturing, and it's obviously computer generated like in Photoshop. Um, and, And not very good sky texturing, to be honest.
1: The cat girl's face always looks weird.
0: Really? I don't have a problem with that
1: like the eyes are always look so different to me
0: different from human eyes
1: just they're drawn different every time they're not mm. consistent
0: okay that's a valid objection um anyway i think the art's around a 4 yeah i mean it's 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 not bad while you're reading it it doesn't distract you from the story but when you stop to look at it it's not impressive yeah um the story i'm going to give a 3 it's not awful, but I honestly, if I would like the few hours I spent reading this back. Um, it, it's interesting to read in the sense of comparing it to other manga in the genre, and this is a popular one. So it is worth noting that there are things in it that a number of readers are finding appealing.
1: And enough that I know it got made into an anime that I think is still going.
0: Okay. Um,
1: That's why I recognize it.
0: And if you are a teenage boy or girl who finds this sort of wish fulfillment of where you have to sexually interact with super cute girls uh, in order to do things to, you know, help them or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe this will be your thing. And if that's your thing, I have one coming up when uh, after Rise of the Shield Hero that you'll love, even though I hated. Um, oh
1: God, it gets
0: worse. Oh yeah, it, oh yeah, no. it gets much worse, much much worse. Um, so anyway, story I'm giving a three. Uh, originality concept I I'll give them a couple points for originality. I do think there was some original attempt at originality in here, but it didn't go very far so i'm gonna give that a four
1: the way you described i would go with a three for originality okay but i'm just going off of the way you described i haven't seen this
0: yeah i i do think there's enough attention to detail in it to give it a little bit more than that okay. um and we're still looking at below average with a four
1: mm-hmm.
0: and personal bias miscellaneous um I, I, I found it pretty cringy at times. It, it It's ostensibly oriented towards older teens, um, but the complexity of the story felt like a very young kid's book with sexual content only appropriate for older teens. So uh, I'm overall going to give this a four.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, it's not awful, but it's it's not... It's objectively not good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next one we're going to talk about is Rise of the Shield Hero. Now, I know you watched the anime of this some. Have you read any of the works related to it? I have not. Okay. So Rise of the Shield Hero, uh, I think, has some interesting aspects to it. And one of the things that I like about it is the initial concept. Uh, mm-hmm. and now it is a transport isekai the main character is an otaku he's broke he's goes to the library he finds this old book and finds himself transported to a fantasy world
1: i did kind of like being transported by a book because all the ones i've seen it feels like they always die
0: right that is very common um and we didn't talk about this with reincarnated as a sword But he had a fairly pointless death where he just got run over by a guy driving uh, while he was on his phone. Oopsie-daisy. Now, there is an interesting element where often in Isekai, when you're reincarnated, you're only reincarnated because you did something noble. In other words, the character's a loser. They're getting a second chance to do something better. But they're only given a chance because they did something noble when they died. With S.W.O.R.D., we see somebody who's probably a fundamentally decent person... Who just died meaninglessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a theme that carries through reincarnation as a sword. Because his life now has meaning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, on a personal level. Now, Rising of the Shield hero, he reincarnates into this world. And he's treated like trash. He's framed for rape and theft. Um, he's supposed to be one of the four... Noble heroes of the light, holy warriors, mm-hmm. wielders of the holy weapons, and he's screwed over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how how far did you get in the anime plot wise?
1: I think I got about halfway.
0: Okay, uh, my understanding is the anime only covers the first few Tancomban, Tonkoban being collected volumes of the manga. Um, there's quite a few of them. And if you go far enough in it, you find out Mm -hmm. there is actually some reasoning behind the actions of the people who frame and screw him. Mm -hmm. It turns out that there is the official religion of the state is the religion of the three holy weapons, the other three. And they actually have a mythology about how whoever is selected as the shield hero is essentially a paragon of evil. Huh. Now, not every society feels this way. And you find out there are other nations in this fantasy world where it's reversed. Remember I talked about in Reincarnated as a Sword that there's a common motif of demi-humans are kind of scum. Mm -hmm. And there's a racism analogy. That's definitely in Rising of the Shield Hero. And it turns out there's a demi-human nation where the shield hero is essentially Jesus and their religion. He's the savior.
1: Yeah, I think... I don't remember. That sounds familiar. I think I got to there, or I was spoiled
0: for it. That okay. sounds familiar. So, in Rising of the Shield Hero, we have a, uh, an element, a trope, that it shares with Reincarnated as a Sword, where he can't really attack effectively on his own. Eventually, his shield does gain some attack abilities, Uh, But the shield hero really needs somebody to fight for him to help him gain experience. And this manga does use a lot of tropes from Japanese computer RPGs. Mm -hmm. Things have levels and attributes, and they can gain new attributes. The shield can mutate based on things it absorbs. These are all going to be things that people have seen in Japanese RPGs many, many times.
1: Yeah, it really did feel like he was just dropped into a computer game.
0: Right. And... He's not familiar with a computer game about it, but the others, the other three holy weapon heroes, are. it turns out, are all familiar with computer games mm-hmm. based on it. Now, here is one thing that's evident in the manga that's not in the anime. I watched some of the anime, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the anime, it almost sounds like they all played the same computer game.
1: I thought they talked about at the start how there was different elements and they were each confused.
0: Right. Well, that is explored a lot more in the manga, not initially, but later.
1: Oh, that's cool, because I was really curious about that. And
0: they all explicitly say later, no, this is this game. No, this is that game. Mm -hmm. And they're all thinking of different games. And it all turns out they can all manipulate kind of reality in different ways based on what game they think it is they're doing.
1: Ooh, I just kind of assume they are possibly from different versions of Japan. No. And this is like a combination of all
0: those games. And it turns out each of them thinks the other is lying.
1: Infighting.
0: And they don't get along. And that infighting becomes a big deal. Now, eventually, the protagonist... And I kind of s- jumped into this and I skipped over credits. Um, the original story here, by the way, is by Aniko Yusagi. Character designs by Minami Sara. Uh AyaQ is credited with the main creation of the manga itself, though. So Aya I think is doing the day-to-day art and probably the translation of the story into manga form the scripting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now we do the book that the protagonist reads is the records of the four holy weapons. Mm-hmm. Um and he just describes himself as an otaku college student. You find out over time that The cooperation of these characters is necessary, and they don't tend to cooperate. They see themselves, the the main three characters, the weapon wielders, see themselves as there to play a video game. And a single player video game at that. Mm -hmm. And be the heroes. Yeah, they think
1: they're the main character.
0: While the shield hero who came in through a book sees things very differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and actually sees this as a world where people's lives are at stake. Now, I kind of dropped off talking about the trope, but because he can't fight effectively and gain levels, because they have these Japanese computer RPG elements, um, he has to get somebody to fight for him. Nobody will fight with him because people believe that he's a rapist and a villain, (laughs) which he was framed for. Um, So he ends up buying a slave girl and helping her level. A slave girl who's a demi-human sort of humanoid animal creature, uh, just like we saw in Reincarnated with the Sword, Mm -hmm. uh, that same trope. And that motif of the protagonist needing somebody else to round them out, except in this case, the secondary character never really becomes a co-protagonist, but she does become a major character who's important in her own right.
1: Yeah, I remember when that scene first come up and he bought her, I was... Red flags were coming out because I was mm-hmm. like, don't make this creepy, don't make this creepy. I'm really enjoying this. But it never gets creepy to me.
0: No, and at least at the point that the series is currently at, um, it is clear that she has probably romantic feelings for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of levels up at one point and becomes kind of statuesque. hmm mm um, But he continues to see her, at least for a long time, as a child Mm -hmm. and himself in a more parental role. Mm -hmm. Now, that does change, and he sees her as a woman later, but no romantic relationship is developing. Mm -hmm. He's too busy trying to figure out how to stay alive and save the world for romance. Mm -hmm. There is no time for love, Dr. Jones. It's just not happening.
1: You stole my line.
0: You can say it. Go ahead. (laughs)
1: No time for love, Dr. Jones.
0: Exactly. Um, Now, there was a point where I was kind of concerned that a harem was forming because Mm -hmm. more female characters kind of fall into his area. Mm -hmm. That never happens. They happen to be female. There's a little bit of fan service here and there with it, but actually very, very little. In fact, I'm not sure I have ever read a manga for this age group with so many female characters and so little fan service. It's actually pretty refreshing. Hmm. Um. Now, over time, we do find out some interesting things. Oh, oh, and part of the reason, perhaps, for the demi humans' interest in him romantically, is she comes from the demi human nation where he's an extremely positive figure, mm-hmm. and we see flashbacks where she says, "Oh, when I grow up, I'm going to marry the Shield Hero," because mm-hmm. he's seen as an ideal. Mm-hmm. Um. He is. His name is eventually cleared. He does eventually move to try to help things along. Um, But, and certain characters get their comeuppance, so that all feels good. Mm -hmm. And then when you feel like, okay, well, everything's getting good, you know, things are going to get easier for him. That's just a transition for things getting even harder. Mm -hmm. As everything kicks up a few more notches. And you find out that, It's not really that things are actually getting harder. It's just now that those other distractions are removed, he gets to find out what's really happening and how bad it really is.
1: So really his problems just get moved.
0: Yes. Um, But the writing does a really good job of that transition Mm -hmm. and keeps that original concept of he's perceived as the villain from getting really stale Mm -hmm. by simply removing it eventually. Um, and then transitioning the problems and it does some other interesting things. For example, at one point introducing, uh, these villainous characters who don't act like villains, who we find out are wielders of holy weapons from another world that is the world trying to invade this world. Uh, and in fact, at the point that I left off in the Tonkuban he's become stranded in that other world trying to chase after them and finds out that all of his levels have been reset to one.
1: Oh, shoot, not again.
0: So he's going to have to re-level. So I really enjoyed the series. I enjoyed that it took a lot of the common tropes and twisted them a bit. It's got the female characters that would be in most manga uh, harem. And here are just adjacent characters. It didn't, you know, yes, we have a couple of shots of the girl in skimpy clothing. But then you can go multiple tankoban before that happens again. Uh, You have the characters that are fixated on the conflict and don't find themselves suddenly able to ignore the conflict for three issues to deal with their personal emo stuff. Emo stuff has to be set aside. We got to save the world. Or we're all dead.
1: we got stuff going on.
0: Right. Um, I have to admit, as Rise of the Shield Heroes started, I liked it, and I liked its twists, but I thought I'd get really tired of it. Mm -hmm. And they have done a good job of preventing that. With all that said, is it objectively really good? I think it's objectively good. I think I like it more than it... Maybe is justified objectively, though.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So let's talk about its rating a little bit. Um, Art. What do you think of the art?
1: I I like it. It's not super original, but it does feel slightly different than the others we've seen.
0: I will say there are times they provide a lot of shading and they use a lot Mm -hmm. of gray and black, where others are just doing huge amounts of white space um yeah. i i think those make some nice dramatic panels mm-hmm. there are times that they pour detail in and other times they ignore it um i think it's better than average
1: yeah slightly better than average
0: so what would you give it seven seven that, that's pretty high okay
1: seven six somewhere around there i think
0: a six or seven somewhere in there mm-hmm. um story wise where are you feeling on story
1: like a seven again i really enjoyed it because i, I liked mm-hmm. at the start they beat him down heavily i got so tired of the ones where they were really smug and were just able to destroy everything right away instead here they proceeded to take a sledgehammer and beat him with it
0: right and in in some ways it, it's almost difficult for this to be isekai because there's pretty much no wish fulfillment in it mm-hmm. now i mean. When you get to the first major point of wish fulfillment, it's just putting him back at neutral. He's not really gained anything. And I'm pretty far in it. And he's never really gained any wish fulfillment out of it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, yeah, I
1: like that we really get to see him fight for a win, right. which I really enjoy. I like being able to root for a character.
0: And he's not one-dimensional. Um, Mm -hmm. he, he makes, he has to make a lot of choices that other people call him a cold bastard for, Mm -hmm. but he's practical a lot of the time. And then other times he's not. And sometimes he's practical and somebody, you know, one of the girls goes, oh, come on. All right. Trust me. Been there. Um, I, I'm going to give the story a seven. Mm Um, Originality concept, I think originality is pretty good. Yeah. Seven.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Um, so I think overall we could say this is a solid seven mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like isekai manga, or even if you just like manga, period, uh, if you like fantasy comics, mm-hmm. this is a good solid read.
1: Yeah, if you're not normally a big fan of isekai, but really like fantasy concept ones, I highly recommend this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, now we're going to move on to the harem manga, oh, And I'm going to start off with the one that I just hated. Um, now, folks can't see this, but uh, I, I have these here in the office to share with my TAs. We talk about them, which is why we can look at the art together. Um, I didn't bother to... Uh, Draw out of storage this one because I, I'm just going to mention it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to bother going in detail about it. We'll give it a quick rating at the end. But it's called Parallel Paradise. Okay. Um, it is. It's about six seven tankobon right now, and it is an extreme example of wish fulfillment manga. So the main character is this guy, and he's kind of gruff, and his dad's an otaku geek. So he occasionally knows fantasy world things from his dad talking about it. And his dad insists that he be a tough guy, so sends him to martial arts and sword training and all that. So he's like, I don't give a crap about any of this, but I am a badass and can kick everyone's ass. Oh, no. And at the beginning, there is an interesting shtick where this weird, like, ragdoll clown thing runs at him that nobody else can see and throws him out a window. And he's reborn in this fantasy world. What? And, and that's different. And I like that. And we, and there's some image of a background story there. The problem is, we it happens again later, but there's no connecting elements. There's nothing to start to tie this together into a bigger, more interesting world. So we have an interesting original uh, sort of, Stimulus for the reincarnation, but we don't. Nothing follows up on it, so it feels very gimmicky as a result.
1: Just something to kill him to transport him.
0: Well, and we find out later he's not dead. He's in a. Co- he's been in a coma, which is a, a, an interesting other little take.
1: Yeah, it's very different.
0: Um, but all all of this goodwill that it builds up in the first page or so. Goes away quickly when he lands in the other world, and he encounters a woman. Who's a paladin, and there are these monsters, and it turns out he can fight off the monsters, and the monsters are scared of him. Mm-hmm. And the woman is like, "You look weird." And he's like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "But you're, you're like deformed. You know, you look like those pictures in the books of men." And he's like, I am a man. And she freaks out because there have been no men in this world for over 500 years. When babies are born, they come out of this castle that nobody can ever go into. And nobody knows where they come from. Oh, it's, Maybe it's other right. worlds, we don't know. Okay. And the women never get a chance to grow old. Around their 20th birthday, they are just dissolved. So lifespans are short. But it turns out... That as a man, if he touches a woman, she goes into uncontrollable sexual mating urges.
1: Oh, God.
0: I mean, just like fall on the ground, writhing in this primal response. Ugh. And just a tiny touching of the skin does it. Oh, God. And then if he mates with her, she will be branded and won't die on her 20th birthday branded with this mark around her neck which isn't the exact same place a slave collar would be doesn't grant any control over her but
1: but it's still the
0: symbolism is the same
1: they're still playing on that thing and
0: the idea that he has to mate with as many women as possible to save them but it's got to be kept a secret because otherwise it would lead to chaos and he can't sleep with all of them so he needs to find the jealous god who laid this curse down and destroy it so he can save all the women of the world. But just in case he can't, he needs to sleep with as many as po- possible along the way. Without revealing what he's doing. And it—it's the whole thing is really cringy. Now, there's actually a few good story elements that sneak in. The conflicts um, with unreliable characters, other characters backstabbing, some mysteries that happen, are actually well-written. But all wrapped up in an incredibly cringy, gorian, small dick energy wrapper.
1: It's not small dick, it's no dick.
0: <laughs> no dick energy. I, I mean, it's like having a prize, wonderful sausage, and gooey, nasty batter as a corn dog. I mean, the beauty of what a good corn dog can be ruined by just grotesque batter uh, uh, covering a beautiful sausage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, and he's very concerned about his sausage getting to as many batters as possible. Um, I had to go there. It was too easy a joke. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's an interesting example of something that actually has good story elements I mean, some of the subplots in it are better than any other isekai I've read. But the overarching story that connects them is painful to read.
1: It sounds slimy and gross.
0: It is. So I don't have it here. The art's okay. I'll give the art a five. Um, it's an extreme example of wish fulfillment, uh, where he's important He's a centralized sexual figure. He's essentially turning these girls into slaves without having to make a moral choice to make them slaves.
1: Which just makes it worse.
0: Which is even cringier on a wish fulfillment standpoint. Um, the, plot, the overall plot is thin. Uh, it, it has neat elements to it, but not enough to connect them. Overall, I give the whole thing a four. Um, I...
1: I would and, say three just for the whole, the women need a man to save them.
0: Well, I'll be honest. If it weren't for the subplot elements, which are actually interesting, and maybe one day they'll make more prominent, if it weren't for those, I'd give it a two. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to move on from that to a more interesting harem manga, uh, Tales of the Wedding Rings. Now... Have you ever heard of this one, Rowan?
1: I have not. I only heard of it when you briefly mentioned it to me before this.
0: Now, I don't keep up with anime very well, so I don't know if they've done an anime series of it. Uh, And I think the class is going a little long at this point, so we'll try to go through it quickly. But this is, to me, an interesting harem manga because it is a harem that's not a harem. Mm -hmm. The core premise is our protagonist is a male from Japan, as they all are, and he grows up with this beautiful blonde girl next door who's clearly a foreigner, although she has a Japanese name. And she carries her parents' wedding rings on a chain around her neck and is raised by her grandfather. She tells him when they're children that she's going to marry him one day and they'll use those rings. But then one day, as they're like seniors in high school, she, he's ready to finally tell her that he loves her. I mean, they almost live in the same house She's always cooking for him. um, But he's never been able to confess his love. He's ready to do it, finally. And she says, and by the way, I have to leave and go home tomorrow and I'll never see you again. And he's just crushed. And in the middle of the night, he sees her leaving the house with her grandfather. He figures they're leaving. He feels like he has to stop being a coward and finally say something to her. And follows them into the mountains where the grandfather opens a magical portal. They step through it. He fusses around with his self-doubts for a minute and then goes through and finds himself in the middle of a wedding ceremony where the girl he loves is about to give the, the husband's wedding ring to another man. Ouch. And everybody's looking at him going, who the fuck are you? And he's like, "Ah!" And fortunately, his moment of social awkwardness is interrupted by a demon attacking. A shadow demon.
1: Don't we all just want that in the moment of social awkwardness?
0: I mean, that's the real wish fulfillment right there. For your social awkwardness to always be forgotten because demons attack instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so this demon's attacking. It turns out the normal weapons are useless against it. People start yelling, oh, ring king, ring hero. You know, use the power of the light to stop it. But the princess hasn't given the ring yet. She's not married to anyone. There is no ring hero yet. And the protagonist is closer to the demon and she throws it to him. He's able to suddenly channel light through a sword and destroy the demon. And he's now married to her. Not quite what he was envisioning. Um, you know, even before he has a chance to profess his love.
1: Worst ways to get married.
0: And the other guy who was supposed to become the ring king and the savior of all the realm basically looks at him and, in the standard manga, what, what normally happens in the manga at this point? Mm. You are my enemy. How dare you steal this from me? Instead, he turns and goes, whoo, ha, huh. yeah, good for you. All right. Have
1: fun. Bye. I'm out. I'm
0: out. Yeah, I dodged a bullet.
1: The realistic reaction.
0: And you find out that, you know, he's a prince from this this nation called the Empire, and he was there to fulfill a duty, not because he wanted to marry her, not because he wanted to go fight all the demons. This was his duty, and he was going to fulfill it. And that choice has been taken away from him, and he's totally cool with it. And he pops up, he becomes a regular character in the story later.
1: Oh, so it's not just like a one time I was here for a piece of the plot.
0: No, he, he actually becomes very important to the story.
1: Okay, cool. The
0: cast is actually fairly big in the story. It, it grows slowly enough that you get to know all the characters and remember them, but it does grow to be a big cast. Eventually, with multiple storylines happening simultaneously with different sections of the cast.
1: So it's not a manga that feels it just needs this male protagonist and then only needs female characters from then on out.
0: No, no. Although there aren't a lot of male characters. Just because it's just not the nature of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wants to spend a decent amount of time on each character. And with what are ultimately going to be five central female characters, uh, you can only split that up so much. Yeah. And what you find out is uh, the princess that he grew up with is Princess Crystal. She is the princess of the Kingdom of Light. And basically the rings connect them. And the ring hero, the male husband, gains the power to channel energy to fight the demons. And eventually seal away the Abyss King who's reawakened. And this is a cyclical thing, so it happens every few generations or whatever. And the power comes from the wife. And then it's channeled to the husband. But this was a little demon they fought. And in fact, a bigger big bad shows up and just kicks his ass. Just whoops his ass. And let me tell you, while there might be some wish fulfillment about these beautiful women in your life happening in the story, there is no wish fulfillment about the main character being a, a, a combat badass. He is constantly in danger. And the threats feel significant. When he beats them. And he just barely beats them. A lot of times. And sometimes he has to run. Sometimes he just fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a nice change. In manga. Because mm-hmm. there is that trope of. Uh, and we saw this in Reincarnate as a Slime. I beat it. I beat it. I beat it. Oh this is unbeatable. Something happens, so I don't have to fight it. Like it suddenly turns out to be a little girl. And wants to be my friend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That doesn't happen here. That's a nice change. Um, there are no convenient easy outs. There is one... Po- well, I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to go through the princesses real quick. So why are there multiple princesses? There are multiple princesses because... And by the way, this society has no concept of, uh, of monogamous, monogamous marriage. It's just not even a part of their culture. So they don't understand why... These two characters, the princess and the protagonist, have this idea, which they gained from growing up in Japan, Mm -hmm. of a monogamous marriage. Um, And especially among royal circles, apparently, other kinds of marriages are common for political reasons. And in this case, the tradition of the rings is five wives um, in order to get greater amounts of energy channeled into the ring hero to defeat these dark powers. And of course, they follow the old elemental tropes the princess of the kingdom of light, the princess of the kingdom of water, the princess of the kingdom of fire, kingdom of earth, and kingdom of air. So eventually, all the five elements are combined, and he can seal away the Abyss King. If only it were so simple. I mean, the. And part of what makes this fun is that each of the princesses is a distinct personality. They're not. Just there to serve the protagonist's story. They have their own stories.
1: They're not just placeholders for elements with tits?
0: No. And some of them don't have tits, really. <laughs> I mean, especially Air. She's like flat as a board. Um, that's the Elven Princess, who is a shut-in and, and agoraphobe and terrified of the world and starts out with no romantic relationship with the main character. This is just something that has to happen. The Water Princess who has zero romantic interest in him, but is there to do her duty. The Fire Princess, who's very independent, and actually at one point gives him an easy out. That's a convenient trope. And he rejects it, saying that this won't work unless she respects him. So here we have the main character of a harem, of a wish fulfillment, Feeling that he has to prove himself worthy of respect to the women in the story. Which is very different from a bunch of them where it's just a bunch of women fighting over the male character.
1: He's actually a nice guy.
0: He is. And he's only romantically interested, at least initially, in the girl that he came to the world for. Mm -hmm. But he does feel an obligation to fill his role and save the world because it's her world. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to see her world destroyed. And she won't be happy otherwise. Now, there is a conflict that happens because uh, you get all these elders and all these supposedly really knowledgeable people telling him and the wives, you need to do X, Y, Z. Specifically, you need to mate. You need to have sex. You need to deepen your bonds. That's where the power to fight the evil comes from, is from these deep emotional bonds. And, of course, his response is, well, sex isn't necessarily deep emotion, Mm -hmm. And they say, well, you know, it works. It has worked for every iteration. You don't even have to like each other, but you need to have that bond. And if that bond involves hate sex, go for it. Um, And he rejects that. And he rejects that he has to have this relationship with these women. And at a turning point in the story that I really loved... Uh, we found the power of the rings actually increased when the wives built relationships among each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a whole backstory about the rings being cursed, and the initial ring hero who was just basically, basically your stereotypical horrible harem manga protagonist who took advantage of the situation to have constant sex with women and treat them like objects. As power batteries for him being the hero. And it's a curse that's passed down. So in a lot of ways, while Tales of the Wedding Rings is a harem manga, it is actually an explicit rejection of many of the traditions of harem manga.
1: It's what a good harem manga looks like.
0: Yes. Now, is there fan service in it? Yes, there's fan service. You do not pick up a harem manga to not, you know, enjoy uh, uh, some cheesecake. But it's cheesecake. I mean, I am pretty deep in this at this point. Um, I've read, I think, around 10 Bond, maybe more than that of it. And he's kissed girls. That's it. He hasn't even gotten laid yet. Wow. He still has his V-card. Wow. So, I mean, I'm flipping through some pages now. You can see we get plenty of cleavage from crystal and they like to show her short skirt flying up Mm -hmm. but we don't get more than that Mm -hmm. um
1: she's not just an object for fan service
0: right now early on we're being introduced to him and we learn about him uh but over time we get a lot more about her including her own storylines where she's the main focus uh and that's true of the other characters as well so i really enjoyed this i thought let's talk about the art real quick. I mean, what do you think about the art?
1: I like all the shading, and I like the way they do the backgrounds. Most mangas just kind of ignore the backgrounds, mm-hmm. but I like that they actually drew them in.
0: In some scenes, not all of them, but yeah. a lot of them. I mean, even pretty much all of them have at least some background shading. Um, and I also think they're very dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of manga where you get these single panels and you kind of have all the characters standing up and they're all at very stock angles for showing their faces. Mm-hmm. Here we get lots of angles. You know, mm-hmm. the, the point of view is a little bit below, to the side. Maybe we only get their mouths, so we get this effect of the trembling cheek. Um, I thought the art was really good.
1: Yeah, I really like this.
0: And um, the color pages that they have in are really good. So I'm going to give the art, I think, a solid eight.
1: Yeah, I was going to say eight. I, I
0: really think like it's it. a, now the style is typical uh, manga fantasy style, but the pencil work seems more delicate to me. It's not over-inked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think this is a top-notch example. And we actually have things like hand cross-hatching and hatching in it. Instead of it all being cheesy Photoshop productions. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, folks, you can tell the difference between hand-drawn hatching and Photoshop done hatching. Mm -hmm. Um, The story, I'm going to give the story an eight also. Yeah,
1: it sounds really good.
0: And um, personal bias, I'm I'm just going to say for originality, and I'm going to throw personal bias in here, I'm giving it an eight. The threats feel real, twists in the story are genuinely surprising, there's a deep amount of story to still explore, um, and I've not shared some of that because it would take a long time and it would spoil the story for people that want to read it themselves, but I think this is a top-notch adventure story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is an epic fantasy story in addition to being an har- a harem isekai. hmm Uh, And it does things that I've never seen anybody else really do. Like at one point, he and the princesses go back to Japan for a while. Hmm. And we get these, the princesses become isekai in Japan. Because they're transported to not their own world.
1: (laughs) I like that.
0: Um, So there are interesting things that go on. Mm. And yeah, and there's some interesting mysteries that it explores also. Okay, so our last two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our first one of the last two, I think, is isekai, although I think some people might disagree. Now, this is different. This is an original manga. It's not developed from a light novel. Not everyone we've talked about has been developed from a light novel. But they were obviously filling that same uh, uh, part of the market. Mm -hmm. You know, they were made to sell in the same place. This is Love and Hell, Story and Art by Rije Suzumaru. The art is not traditional manga fantasy art mm-hmm. at all. Um, the art reminds me much more in a lot of ways of independent comic artists uh, from California back in the 60s and 70s.
1: Yeah, it feels um, more like western art.
0: It, and, and this is one of the reasons that it bothers me when people talk about manga art. You know, there is a lot of homogeny in the manga that's made for really mass-produced selling, but that's because the market wants similar art styles. That doesn't mean that's how all manga is made. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of diversity in manga. You just sometimes have to go to the less popular ones, and this is definitely one of the less popular ones. Now, this was collected and sold in three Tonkoban. The stories are mostly independent of each other, but it does follow an ongoing storyline. And you could debate whether it's not it's isekai, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it and then you can make up your own opinion. Now, it's called Love and Hell, it's 3 tankobon, um distributed by 7 Seas, which produces some of the edgier American translation stuff, western translation. And the main character is this guy who's partying, gets drunk, falls, hits his head and dies. And finds himself in hell with a body that regenerates every day. And he's supposed to be tortured to eventually uh, find salvation and and be let out of hell. And he's assigned a demon who's just graduated, basically their equivalent of demon high school. And she's the first soul. He's uh, he's the first soul that she's assigned to torture. And she doesn't really know what she's doing. Now, there's a lot of edgy stuff in here. This is not mass marketed, sold for everybody. There is nudity in here. He's a perv and a creep. Um, Lots of things are done for fan service. And there's also grotesqueness. There's lots of jokes about his small penis. You know, in one of the early pages, we see a guy who's had all the skin flayed off him. Torture and mutilation are common in this and yet it's a love story and it's a story with an arc about redemption and it does one thing that I love and I'm going to share my bias here that in 3 Bond, it does a complete story that doesn't have to stretch on forever and it's compact with a lot of story in a small amount of space and I like that so Is it isekai? What do you think, Rowan? Is this isekai? Is, you know, finding yourself in hell after you die count as being reincarnated into a new world?
1: I think it kind of depends on what your idea of hell is and what kind of mythology, I guess, you're going for. I think it counts.
0: Now, one thing to keep in mind is this is not a formless void of torture. Now, in the first few chapters, you know, he's just meeting a couple other characters and getting his, you know, head crushed in and that kind of thing as we get introduced to the torture. But as things go on, we find there are these cities with food and he has to earn money through being tortured for food. And he tries to avoid that. So he gets a job at Hell's version of Amazon. Um, And he has to go through orientation sessions and all this stuff happens. So there is this whole world that's present. It's not just lake of, lakes of fire and that kind of mm-hmm. thing.
1: Yeah, so I think it counts as isekai.
0: Okay. Now, wish fulfillment-wise, he's being tortured. His, life, his existence is miserable. Mm-hmm. But, interestingly, towards the end, we find out that there's an event he's repressed his whole life that he learns about. And he's able to finally redeem something that's bothered him in his subconscious for most of his life. So it's kind of a very grown-up form of wish fulfillment. It's not about getting the babes and being powerful. It's about putting your inner demons to rest while you're in hell. Mm -hmm. Which is a different kind of wish fulfillment, but I think still legitimate. Mm. Um, So I'm not going to go too far into this, but I think it's an interesting one. I do think it counts as isekai, although I can understand why some people might disagree uh, it certainly does not have the computer RPG elements, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's mandatory for Isekai. I think it's just a common trope.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a trope, not a mandatory thing. Um,
0: but but he is reborn in another world. There is a form of wish fulfillment. Um, but the rest is very different. Now, let's talk about rating. Let's start with art. You're the art person, so what do you think about art?
1: I actually like the art. I feel like there are some scenes where it feels very bland. But mm-hmm. I like the but I like that there are some scenes like that one where it's super heavily shaded, and then you move mm-hmm. on to the very plain panel.
0: Yeah. Now there are some interesting elements if when you look at the faces, most of the character faces follow some traditional manga trope, uh, manga design styles. I mean, certainly his face I've seen in other kinds of manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the female demon's face I've seen in a number of manga, mm-hmm. but then we get. People like the orientation guy, and he looks totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, The art's not afraid to be grotesque at Mm -hmm. times. You get a real sense of motion. It's visceral. I mean, when he bleeds out of his eyes, it's gross.
1: And they like it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Now, all that said, the art is, I felt, very uneven. When it's good, it's great.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But a lot of times, it's just kind of meh. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you feeling on a uh, total score?
1: Like total score? I would say like six for the art.
0: For the art? Okay. I think that's fair. Um, story, I'm, I'm going to give it... <sighs> I'm going to give it a seven for story. Okay. No, you know what? I'm actually going to give it an eight. I'm going to bump it up. Oh, wow. If I was going purely on the first two Bond, it would probably be a six or seven. But as the story resolves itself... It does some things that are very original and different. Okay. Um, originality and concept.
1: I would say it's actually pretty original.
0: I think so too. Now, I can't give it a nine. You know, having, you know, finding yourself in hell and dealing with hell is not a completely original concept. Mm-hmm. Um, however, within the constraints of manga, it's pretty different.
1: I'd say, like, a 7 for originality.
0: 7, okay. So a 6, 7, and an 8, we're averaging around a 7 total. Mm-hmm. I think that's a respectable score for it. Yeah. Um. It It's not super subtle. It's not the best written thing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's worth reading. And I think it would appeal to a number of people who don't like isekai. Uh, because they don't like the common tropes of it. Mm-hmm. So now our last one, our very last one. And for our very last one, you know, I, because we're talking about isekai, I kind of felt like I had to focus heavily on Japanese comics, manga. But for our very last one, I wanted to show how this is not a purely Japanese phenomena by bringing out an, a Western-produced one. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not American. This is written by Kieran Gillian, who's... Uh, British? I was about to say Irish, but he might be British. I'm not sure. Um,
1: Somewhere in that, like,
0: range. Now, if you know the name, uh, Kieran Gillian has, he's written for Marvel, DC, he's written for lots of entities. But this is one of his creator-owned properties published through Image called Die. Die here has multiple meanings. Now, ostensibly, it's about the singular of dice, a die that you roll. And instead of playing off Japanese computer RPG concepts, this is playing off RPG concepts, especially d and style games. Hmm. Now, it also plays off a trope. Uh, there is a trope in Western isekai of the kids that are transported as a group to another world. Mm-hmm. And this uses that. So this is a whole group transported, Ooh. not a single character. And... Especially starting back, and this has been borrowed from it over the years, and this is, the, but this is perhaps the best uh, uh, use of it I've seen. Going back to the D and D cartoon of the early nineteen eighties, there is a trope of being transported to a D and D world, mm-hmm. and this is what happens here. Except it's not D and D. When the story opens, we see this teenager; he's sixteen, and it's his birthday, and he's going to his friend's house with his kid sister. And they're all sitting around and his friend is like, I've designed an RPG special for your birthday. This is, this, and these are kids in the 1990s and they feel like they're elitist. You know, they're like, he's like, he sells it to them by saying, this is fantasy for adults. You know, this isn't, you know, stupid little kid d d shit. This is for adults. Um, and he says in one of the thought text panels, and we were sold because we were deluded enough to think that's what we actually wanted. Which is a common, you know, trope. If you're an adult and you have not become one of those adults that doesn't remember what being a kid is like, um, when you're a kid and you're a teenager and you're still in your teen years, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you've seen this with your peers, if not yourself. You know, there's this desire to be more mature. I mean, surely, because being a kid is hard. So being an adult is going to be awesome and everything's going to be easier. In fact, the reality is that being an adult is hard too. Um, Now, I don't blame kids for thinking that being an adult is going to be easy because they don't know otherwise. I do blame adults for thinking that being a kid is easy because obviously you've forgotten what it was like to be a kid. Fact is, it's tough all around, folks.
1: Being human is hard.
0: Right. So the character here, who's going to be the Grandmaster, opens the box and shows six die, the six classic polyhedral dice. And he starts handing them out to people. And they start defining their roles. And their roles are based on what they want to do. So the character that kind of becomes our primary point of view through it Says, my character's kind of a diplomat with teeth. She's like a cross between Cleopatra and Machiavelli. So, he's handed the four-sided die. Nice. You're the dictator. This is the only D4 in the game. It's yours. Next guy. Kind of a magical warrior, turning emotions into power. Pretty metal, or goth even. It's both. You're the grief knight. This is the only D8 in the game, and it's yours. Hmm. The girl that came along wanted to play, like, Shadowrun or something. She says, I'm a cyberpunk. He hands her a die. Of course you are, Neo. D10, the only one. And she's a Neo. Uh, and, and you've she's made a pact with these elves who are like these cyber entities. Hmm. Um, The sort of hot chick who doesn't really ever say she wants to game and seems to disdain it, but always shows up anyway. She's like, oh God, I'm going to hell. I'm some kind of atheist with gods for pets. You're the Godbinder, the solitary D12, it's yours. The guy who likes to, you know, mess around and joke. He says, I kind of pick some random abilities. I'm just gonna have fun. Of course, you're the fool. You get the entirely normal D6. All right, so who gets the D20? I do. I'm the Grandmaster. And he gets to break the rules of the game to help the others. So he says, we're all players. And then they find themselves sucked away to this other world of die, where basically the world is a giant D12.
1: Hmm.
0: Or sorry, D20, not D12. Um, and then... Two hours later, the mom comes to look for them, and the room is empty. And then the next page says, two years later, they reappear on a country road where they almost get get run over. One of them's missing, and the girl has a stump where she should have an arm.
1: Oh, no. That's, that's not good.
0: Okay. And then we jump to 25 years after that.
1: Oh, God, it's one of those.
0: So they've grown up into adults and none of them have in a quarter of a century ever talked about what happened for those 2 years
1: so some stuff clearly went down
0: and then one of them it's his birthday mm-hmm. remember this all started on a birthday it's his birthday and he hates birth his birthdays but he goes to a bar with one of the others from the group who mm-hmm. still lives in the area like he does mm-hmm. And the barman says, here, this was delivered for you earlier. And it's a bloody D20. Oh,
1: that's that's not good.
0: And they all get sent back again. Oh, no. And this is not a D&D world. And this is very much an isekai for adults. It's a group transported to a fantasy world. Uh, the world includes things like uh, Eternal Prussia. Where these robotic, horrible mech machines are constantly crushing Little England, which is occupied by hobbits. Um, and they're eternally in World War I.
1: Oh, that's...
0: And it's horrible. And they run into the one that was left behind. And he's now gone mad. And this is very much a sort of rejection of wish fulfillment. So there is a isekai story that happened that we get little bits of through flashbacks. That isekai story, they were transported to a fantasy world, and it seems like they were probably thrilled. They had a blast. And now they're brought back as adults with regrets. And, for example, there's a scene where towards the end of the first collected volume, there are three collected volumes right now, and it's still going, I think, Uh, the sort of main point of view character that it started with, uh, he, in this world, is a she. Um, And he's looking out, she is looking out over one of the edges of the world and trying to decide uh, what they're going to do. And it's an area they adventured in a lot when they were last there. And this knight figure comes up. And she says, Sir Lane, we are honored. This is somebody they knew from back then. And she remembers him. He is this attractive young man in knight's armor with a sword. And we see scenes of him kissing her. And... The text tells us as he rode off, he said he would not rest until he had gazed upon my perfection once more. He dared me to use my power to make his words binding. I laughed and did so. And we see him riding off as a knight on a white steed while she's beautiful and kissing off. And yes, this is a male playing a female who has relations with men in here. At one point, one of the male characters says are we going to talk about how you're into guys here, but not back in the real world? And then the conversation shifts because the other people there don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But here, as this is happening, the knight walks up and removes the faceplate, and they're rotted. There are corpse. There are maggots where their eyes should be. And he says, the oath holds. There has been no rest. I died three years after we met. Three years after that, my eyes rotted. Even though you are before me, I still cannot see you. My oath will never be fulfilled. So, for 22 years, he's been in constant pain. And because his eyes are rotted, his oath that he has to see her again before he can rest can't be fulfilled. The Godbinder borrows power from a god to let him see, even without eyes, so he can die. And then his body dissolves into maggots and Crap and sloth that washes all over the main character who he's trying to strangle. Literally, she's drenched in the, in the ugliness of her past.
1: That's horrifying.
0: And then he's gone. And so they had been talking about going back through Angria, which is where he was from, and they spent a lot of time before. And they'd been debating between going through the war zone and Angria... And she says, no one says anything. We make our decision. We'll go through the war zone, not Angria. Anywhere but Angria. We can survive anything but our past. So this is an isekai. There's no doubt about it. It's an isekai. Uh, it's not a single male protagonist, although the, point of, the main point of view character is male. Uh, there is definitely transport to another world. And we're on the second wave of it now. And we only get fragments of the original isekai story. But it's a rejection of the wish fulfillment Mm -hmm. uh, uh, trope of it. They had wish fulfillment, and they wish they never had it. This is what happens when you grow up, and you regret your past. And you have to pay for it. And it's a really powerful story. Now, we have to talk about the art. One thing we do have to say is everything else we've talked about is done in the manga style of black and white oh god the hounds again somebody feed the hounds Uh, surely we have some freshmen in political science that we can toss in the quad Um, I mean we don't really need political science majors do we they just become politicians And, and you know advisors to politicians I mean whatever anyway so this is in color produced as a western comic which are generally in color especially if they're being sold you know, to the direct market and all that as this was um, now it's not done in a very D&D Marvel superhero style it's kind of a painted style uh, it's at times very flat at other times the colors are very washed out um, But I think I, it's gorgeous I think so too and I think it's very evocative um mm-hmm. I'm not going to give the art a nine. I don't think it's
1: quite that good. But it's definitely an eight to me.
0: Yeah, I don't feel... And and, and if you wanted to push for a nine, I might be willing to uh, hear the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the story is a nine. Yeah. Uh, the story is very powerful and well-written. Karen Gillian is an amazing writer, and I think this is one of his best works. Um now, the criteria of originality, it's not entirely original. You know, adults regretting their past, transport to a D&D world, um, not super original. I'm only going to give it for originality a 7. Mm-hmm. But I think it's extremely well executed, which is why Story got a 9. Mm-hmm. Um, personal bias, I love role-playing games. I, in fact, Kieran Gillian is producing a role-playing game. With the mechanics of this world. Oh. Uh, uh, in fact, he produced the rules sort of in the open with beta testers. I have a, a beta PDF of the rules. It's really interesting. Um, my personal bias is to bump this up. It, it probably should be an 8. I'm kind of tempted to make it a 9 because of my bias.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Agreed.
0: You're okay with a 9 on it? Yeah. I think that if you're going to read Western Isekai, if you're going to read... I think this is just worth reading for everybody. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. I think it would be enjoyable even if you're not an Isekai fan.
0: And if you don't like manga, if you don't like manga conventions, this is not produced like manga.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: So that brings us full circle. We finished Isekai. Uh, Obviously, we've spent a bunch of time today talking about things that don't fit a perfect isekai pattern, which I think you have to do because any time you have a large genre, there are going to be things that don't fit perfectly into it but can be discussed in that scope, which is what we did today. Mm-hmm. Um, so midweek, uh, I'm going to do another one of the Fekinidgets series. Um, and I'll I'll save the content of that for then. All I can say is it involves people being Fekinidgets, of course, and then next week, um, well, I've had some debate about what to do next week, and I'm gonna let you pick, my 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 good TA.
1: Okay, I'm given choice. Okay.
0: Yes, you're given a choice. Do we do serial killers? Ooh. Or do we do talking about the? Uh, trope of the superhero as an intellectual
1: huh that one's interesting but i have a bias i like true crime okay so i'm going with serial killers
0: are going with serial killers okay well some of the things we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a graphic novel about the green river killer about some fascinating uh 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 corpses that were found in cleveland uh we're going to talk about jeffrey dahmer And also the Yorkshire Ripper. Now, I may touch on briefly uh, From Hell, but I really think that's worth saving for his own class session one day. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up now. And thank you, everybody, for attending class. Make sure to send in your assignments on time. And, oh, I guess I should mention, Dr. Feckett keeps yelling at me about this. Uh, Rogan.Hamby at gmail.com at pondering comics if you want to get a hold of me on twitter apparently social media is supposed to be important for professors to have these days so that we don't look like we're you know methuselians covered in dust in our offices my dust is very my office is very well kept by the way there's no dust in here um and we will talk again in a few days all right take care folks bye